Welcome to Joy Christian Center. We're so glad you joined us today. If you're ever in the St. Cloud area, please join us for one of our 9 or 1045 a.m. services. Our services last about an hour. We pray that today's message will inspire and challenge you. This morning, and I brought some things with me just because, uh, just because. And uh, uh, one of the things, how many of you know what this is? That's a furnace filter, isn't it? That's exactly what it is. What? Yeah, thank you, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and actually, we'll actually, I got a, I got a note on my phone this morning. It said that it's time to change my furnace filter at home, which just kind of surprised me. So, did you already take care of that? No. Okay. All right. Well, good. <laughs> Well, just the way she acknowledged it, she's like, oh, I already know that, you know. So anyway, I wasn't, that wasn't the point at all. That wasn't. The, anyway, we all kind of know how a furnace filter works, right? I mean, uh, basically your furnace, I know we all know this, but let me just, you know, be painfully obvious this morning. Um, <laughs> and that is, you know, your furnace basically it sucks in air. And, and it heats it up, and then it blows it out on the other side. And in between is this filter, and this filter has, it, has the job, the task of, of blocking any impurities and dust and dirt, whatever might be in your ductwork or might be coming in, and it blocks it, and then you know, better air circulates through your house. And that's kind of the, the way that a filter works. And, and the reason that I'm telling you the obvious this morning, the painfully obvious this morning, is because I want you to think about this filter, but think about it from a little bit different way. This filter that I'm about to talk about is a lot easier to see in other people than it is uh, in ourselves. But I want you to understand that every single one of us has one of these. We have a filter or more in our life. How many of you know other people have filters in their life? And, and that, th those filters, and sometimes I, I was talking with somebody who heard, heard and say, well, you know, Grandpa doesn't, Grandpa doesn't have a very good filter. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, we know what that means, doesn't it? 
Sometimes we wish they had that filter so the inappropriateness didn't come out loud. And it's one thing if you're thinking it, it's another thing when it comes out of your mouth. And, And we all have filters in our life and the filter that we might have, it blocks certain things. There's, how many of you know there's a lot of noise going on right now in our world, in our culture? There's just a lot of sound. There's a lot of stuff. And so we have filters in our life. And, and some of the first filters that you get are filters that you get from your family. And, uh, uh, you know, your, your family helps you to understand what's right and what's wrong. What These are behaviors or actions that are not correct, and you shouldn't have them. And you learn that. You filter life through those things. Uh, some of us have filters that, 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 and even with a filter, how many of you know this, that you don't see things as they are. You say things as you are. And that many times, as, as you've heard more than once, perception is greater than reality. What I perceive is greater. What I think is greater than what may actually be the case out there. And that's part of the filtration system that we have. So family and friends, a lot of us filter the information through various news organizations, ABC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, different places like that. Others have the filter of social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, things like that. And and, and information is filtered through that. And that filtration process, again, is easier to see in other people than it is to see in us. Because most of us have the filter that says red and yellow, black and white. I'm absolutely sure that I'm right. I mean, we all have that filter. We understand other people have filter, but we understand that we're the right ones. Amen? And because that filtration system in our life is effective or, or that filtration system is happening in our life, it causes us to see things a certain way. And while we may be vaguely aware that there's another school of thought out there or there's other things in the, that, that are percolating out there, while we're aware of that, we may not quite be so quick to acknowledge that. And the reason that I say all of those things to you this morning is because we're starting a series that we're calling Make a Difference. And it's our hope and our desire as a church that we inspire you to make a difference in in this life and in this world because God's given you a gift and he's given you some power. He's given you an anointing or an empowerment to be able to make a difference. And and we as a church, we say we are a family church teaching people to reach their world. And, And my job as a pastor, I believe partially is to hopefully uh, uh, lead in a way and inspire in a way that you would go into your homes, your workplaces, into the places of this community and truly make a difference in in people's lives. It's why we do growth track, uh, uh, the four steps of the growth track. The last one, we want to encourage people that in serving one another, we make a difference in other people's lives. And that's that's a lot of who we are. But I want to take this in a little bit different direction this morning because because of the day that we live in and the hour that we live in, the things that are, that are going on around us. And and you may or may not be aware of this, but just let me let me share something with you for those of you that may not know. But in nine days, there's going to be an election. I know that's probably a surprise to some of you, but but we are going to be electing a presidential candidate. We're going to be electing a lot of other things. And if you'd go ahead and put that next picture up there, now I, I just I, I want to I, I just want to let you know something. There's a really really good chance that one of these two people are going to be the next president of the United States. Really good chance. Now, 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 here's the thing. I know that some of you are like, oh, I didn't come to church to hear a political message. I don't have an agenda this morning. I'm going to say exactly what I mean, all right? And I want you to hear what I have to say because it's, I, I, well, 
I start to say, because it's important, but, but it's like kind of every Sunday is important, I think, and I treat it that way. And I don't delve into these topics a lot because I think there's a higher value that we as believers need to live up to, and, and I think that if we live according to the Word of God, a lot of life sorts itself out. I really, really believe that. And yet, I think it's also understanding, because I've heard and had conversations with people, I'm so disillusioned by this election. I'm so disappointed in the candidates. I'm I'm disappointed in the choices that we have. I'm tired of having to choose between the lesser of two evils and and all of the different things that people have been saying. And then I I, also, I I hear third-party candidates, people talking about third-party, that, that, you know, well, Pastor Brian, you're not mentioning the third-party candidates. What about those people? I don't know if you know this or not. There are seven other third-party candidates that are running for office, that are asking for your vote this year, seven other candidates. And the reason that I've listed these two is, 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 and I know that there are people out there, well, if we would all just vote third party, we would send the elites a message. We would send the Republicans and the Democrats that we're tired of this. And I hear you. I understand that. And, and, and you know, God bless America. You have the right to a protest vote. You have a right to, to log your opinion in that way. If that's what's compelling you, to, if that's compelling you to do that, then do that. Uh, I, I can't do that, but you can do that, and that's 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 totally your choice. And that's praise God for America, Amen. That we have a choice. Thank God. We have a choice. But yet I've talked to a lot of people that I don't know what I'm going to do with my choice. And I've, I've heard of a few people that's like, I, I'm just staying home. I just, I just don't even want to vote for anybody because I just don't know what to do. And then I've heard people, they've had fights and arguments and unfriending one another on Facebook. Because I mean, just, oh my gosh, seriously. This is not the first time in our nation that we've had candidates that aren't that great. I mean, and, and we've, we've gone for, now, I, and I can't, I, don't, I can't speak for 100 years ago, but uh, we've, this country's lasted for 240 years. I have faith in God, and I have faith in us as a people. But I want to help with a couple of things as we get started this morning. And first of all, if you're thinking that I have an agenda today and you're kind of wondering what am I talking about, I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm talking about. So you can, I, I'm going to ask you to put your filter down for just a second, all right? I'm going to give you permission to put it back, take it back home with you this afternoon. But, but for right now, just, I just want you to listen. Because there's a lot of people, how do I vote? What do I vote for? Let me just tell you that, first of all, there isn't a candidate that I'm, well, I don't even want to go down that road yet. yet. I want to stay to what I just said, that I'm going to tell you exactly what I mean. Here's, this, here's how I view this and every election. I kind of look at the United States of America like a ship, and that ship is moving, and the president is sort of like the captain of the ship, and he's giving some orders and some commands. We have other elective representatives that are like the, the, the gas pedal and the brake, the rudders. They, they sort of help in the steering. They're, you know, that's the, the three branches of government. There's brakes and there's gas and there's direction. And, and, and we the people, we the people are the engine. We the people are the ones that make this country go. And, and, and when we, you know, put our shoulder to the plow in a sense, when we put our collective wills together, great things are accomplished in this nation. And then there's something else that a ship needs if it's going to sail, and that's a GPS or some kind of navigation system. There's a direction. And the way I look at this and every election is that I'm not, just understand this, you're not, you're not picking a personality. You're not electing a personality, you're electing a direction. Your vote is being cast to give credence to a direction. And the GPS or the guidance system can be found out by, by going to a couple of different websites. I, I, I went this week, 
the Republican National Committee has a website, the Republican Party, as does the Democrat, and I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure that all of the seven other parties have a, a website that you could go and get a document that is called their party platform. The, the Republican Party platform, 66 pages. The Democrat Party platform, about 55 pages. And in those pages is a bunch of gobbledygook and legalese about this is how we are going to govern. If you elect us, this is the direction that we're going to go. I've heard numerous people say, well, they're a good person, and, and, and I'm going to, I met them, or I like their commercial. And so, but you need to know that, that whoever you elect and put into office, you're electing and putting into office a direction. And whatever direction that you vote for is the direction that this country is going to go, except for one direction. If you're going to sit on your couch and stay home and say, I'm sitting this one out, you're still going down the river with everybody else. So you might as well, you might as well make a decision to use your one and only vote and vote for a direction. So hopefully you understand, we're not electing a personality. These two personalities, like every single one of us, are flawed to a certain degree. We all need the grace of God, amen? And again, we can use our filter. <laughs> and we can filter out the good and we can filter in the bad. We can, we can see whatever it is that we want to see. I, I, I tell you what, this weekend I felt so, so terrible and awful and sorry for the FBI director. I really, really did. I was like, what an impossible situation. I mean, up until, you know, July, most people hadn't even heard of him. And, and the people, the smart people were like, you know, he's a straight shooter. He's a really good guy. And at the beginning of July, he comes out and he says, we're not going to press any charges against Hillary Clinton. And, all, and, and it was amazing what happened. All of the Democrats started pointing at the Republicans. Republicans were upset and mad. How can this be? I mean, you had all this information. You had all these things. And, 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 and they were so upset and livid about the decision that he made. And then the Democrats were pointing and saying, see, it didn't didn't go their way, and so now they're causing a problem and everything else. And then Friday, when the news came out that they were gonna, you, you know, they were looking into some other things, and and all of a sudden, all the Republicans were like, "Woohoo, man! He's a good guy!" And all the Democrats were screaming and all. It's like this is terrible. He's a hack. He's a political hack. And and all of a sudden, the hypocrisy came out in such a in such a strong way that it's not about what's best for the country. It's not about what's best for the direction. It's, it's, it's about what's best for, the, for whoever's trying to get power. And it's easy for us in our filters to hear what we want to hear and see what we want to see because we do it every day. I, for one, am glad that all my dirty laundry doesn't get hung out for everybody to see. How about you? There's skeletons I want staying in my closet. Don't care if it is Halloween. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank God uh, those, those bad boys are under the blood of Jesus. And while God remembers them no more, not so sure about people. <laughs> so we all have these filters that we view life through and filter life through. But for those of you that are followers of Christ, there is another filter, and it's this one. And this filter is the most important filter in your life. This filter is greater than any media filter. This, this, this filter is greater than any social uh, filter. It's greater than any family filter. This is the filter that we need to 
Ask God to help us see through. Ask God to help us process life through. To ask God to help us to to understand things that are so complex and deep at times. And so I want to just talk about some things. We talk about the party platforms and, and talk about some of those things. This is what I believe. An election is the intersection where our faithful duty to Christ and our civic responsibility to do responsibility to our nation come together. It is where the civic responsibility that we have as American citizens, we have a responsibility to, to, to voice our opinion and to give credence to a direction, but we also have a, a, a Christian responsibility to walk in Christian ideals. And while there isn't a party platform that would totally espouse everything that we as followers of Christ would like to see, it's, it's not out there. We are asked to view that through the lens of the Word of God. And you can take the, the differences of the two major parties. There's one Affirmative action, we could talk about that. And we can have a debate about affirmative action. We can have a debate about the merits of it. We can talk about different things. One party views affirmative action as an issue of justice. And that in, in a state of, uh, uh, in, in the case of education, that, that there are classes that, that somebody has to take a test for and you have to have a certain score, but that those classes should represent and reflect uh, our, our nation and, and, and there should be minorities represented. And, and, and so there's quotas to fill because of that. And then, so one party views it as a, as a means of justice, that we are, that we're, we're trying to level the playing field for everybody. Other view it as, as others view it as an injustice, that, that there are people that, that are now getting my seat, even though my score might be higher, but because my skin color is different or because my my social status is different, I am not allowed that opportunity. And we can view that differently and we can talk about it and we can argue about it, if you will. We can debate the merits of it. It's a judgment call that we, in a sense, have to, to deal with on the inside of us. What direction do we go? What do we believe? And that's a valid conversation to have with people. But there's not, as far as I'm aware, there isn't anybody that would condone or say, you know what, if you feel that you've been disenfranchised or if you feel that you've been wronged in some way and somebody else got that classroom assignment, somebody else got to take that class and you didn't, uh, if you vote for me, it's a vote that you can go ahead and kill that person. There's not a candidate out there. And thank God for that. And I don't think any one of us would vote for a candidate who would say, it's all right for you to kill that person because they got your seat in that classroom. Nobody out there like that. I don't think none of us would vote. Thank God none of us would vote that way. It's offensive to us to even think about that. You take the issue of immigration. One party sees immigration as, as a, a very humanitarian thing and that it's, that, that, that it's compassionate of us. To, to allow people from other countries to come into this country and to give them a better life, to give them hope for an opportunity, to, 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 uh, you know, for, for kids that are living in horrific conditions throughout this world. And, and, and here we are in America that we have so much and we could be such a blessing and we can be so benevolent to people. And, and so one party views it as a, as, as a cause that, that we should be humane and be compassionate to people. The other party views it as, a, as, as rights and wrongs and, and that, that a nation that doesn't have borders is a nation, uh, isn't a nation at all and that there should be law and that there should be order and, and, and some view it as, as the potential perhaps of harming us economically because low-skilled and low-income people can come into this country and take jobs. Others view it as an issue of national, national security. And those are arguments that you can have. 
Those are debates that we should talk about and things that we should consider. Those are all important things, but there's not a candidate that's out there that would advocate and say, it's all right for you to kill a Hispanic if you can prove that they have taken your job or prove that your, your income has been harmed. There's not a candidate out there, and there's not a one of us. If, you, if there was a candidate that said, if you vote for me, it's a vote that you can kill a, a, a person because of that. Not any one of us would do that. And there isn't a candidate that's out there like that, but I want to say that to you this morning, and I want you to hear that because it sounds offensive to our ears, doesn't it? I mean, it's just kind of like something is like, oh, I can't even believe you said that out loud. We just jumped right into the middle of the message today, didn't we? <laughs> There's not a candidate out there that's like that. And what is it about us as Americans, what is it about us when, when even hearing those words that, that it'd be all right for you to kill an African-American or a, a Hispanic or a, a different person from a different culture just because they perhaps harmed you economically or something? Like that. What is it about us that, that, that sounds so offensive? I think part of it, well, I know part of it. There's something that we as Americans have that is, that is a part of our culture, and it's not just unique to America. But there's a national conscience that we have. And there's something higher that compels us at times as followers of Christ. You know, not every country has some of the things that we have. There are cultures and countries and nations in the world that if you would begin to speak out against a particular ideology or belief or the government, you could be arrested. Your wealth, your fortune could be taken away. Your family, you could be separated from your family. You could even be killed simply because you disagreed with somebody else. You could be killed, could be put to death. We don't have that in America. What is it that makes that unique about us, that, that there's something in us that recoils, that just like, oh, it's just, oh, it's just offensive to hear that? I believe that part of it can be found in the Declaration of Independence. The founding document, 200 and some years ago, it says this, that we hold these truths to be self-evident. In other words, there are truths that we collectively have that everybody understands, that everybody agrees with, that we would all say, yep, that's right, we believe that. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. There's a truth that we understand <clears throat> that every single one of us, red and yellow, black and white, male, female, we're created equal. They're endowed by their creator. It's a reflection and a recognition that almighty God has given to every single human being certain things. <coughs> They're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights uh, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is not given or granted by governments, but by God. Now, I know this is red meat to all the Christians out there. It's red meat to everybody. That's good, that's, and that's good. I hope we understand that this morning because not every, not every culture or nation believes or understands like this. There was a commonality of thought when this, was, when, when this document was being written. There was an understanding that everybody had, and everybody kind of was of the same frame of mind. That's right. 
rights came from God. It's part of the reason for the Declaration of Independence is because there was another government that was trying to exert control over these colonies that were, that were forming. And, and, and because of that, they were now saying, United States, the colonies, they were saying, you know what? These rights were given by God, not by you. And so we're separating, we're drafting a document, and we're declaring our independence from you because our dependence is on God. And that's why they they went on and said that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted to protect those rights that were given by God and not by government among these life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. One of the great things about our nation, the Bill of Rights. The Bill of Rights in the Constitution. The Bill of Rights is a general overall thing that, that the first 10 amendments to the Constitution that, that guarantees and grants certain liberties and rights for everybody that is an American citizen. We, we know the first one, freedom of speech. The idea that you can say what you want to say. You can write it, you can blog it, you can post it, you can Instagram it, you can tweet it. You are free to do those things. That is your right and your right you're free to block them and unfriend them and def- whatever it is, and then you do it back. And, but, but we have the right. We have the right to assemble together. We have the right for the freedom of religion. And, and those, things, those things are not automatic everywhere. I think that sometimes we take for granted our Bill of Rights. The, the Bill of Rights isn't something that, you know, in a month or so we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving, and perhaps you sit around your table and say, what are you thankful for? Many people aren't like, I'm thankful for the Bill of Rights. Most people aren't that way, are they? How many of you have ever gotten the letter in the mail that you've been been summoned to jury duty? How many of you went, woohoo, I get to help somebody's constitutional right to a jury trial? Yes. No, it's like, are you kidding me? It's terrible. But that's a right that we have. Not every nation has that. There are some places, there are some parts of the world that if you're arrested for something or if, you're, if somebody, th- something's going on, the only way you're getting out of it is with money. There's no jury trial. You're going to have to pay somebody off. Thank God that we have a system. And those rights are there. And those rights are granted to us. The Ninth Amendment, you know, every right, you know, these aren't all of the rights that are there. There's going to be other rights that, that we all understand. That is your right. Now, I said all of that to you this morning to, to kind of say a couple of things. I'll just say several things, sorry. I'm going to say a lot of stuff today, and I'm going to get it all done. I'm going to get it all done. I really, really am. Hallelujah. All right. Where the heck am I here? All right. So we all have rights. As an American citizen, we have rights. We're talking about the filter of the word of God. Not only do we have rights, but we have rights as a follower of Christ. We do. And we need to become well-versed in those rights that we have. But how many of you know that sometimes there's a problem with our rights? How many of you as kids, when you were growing up, anybody ever have this happen, that you got the car keys taken away from you? Anyone? Now, this is an unusual form of cruel punishment, but anybody ever get their door taken off? (laughs) You lost your right to privacy, didn't you? And usually you lost your right to privacy or you lost your privilege. I never had the car keys taken away from me, but the only reason was because we only had one car. My dad drove it all the time. I never got to drive it. Had I had the right to drive a car, I remember thinking, that thing goes to 120, at least the speedometer does. That great big old Delta 88, man. 
Just going down the road, man. Now, if, if as a teenager you abused the right or the privilege, the right to drive a car, I got my license. I deserve to drive the car, right? I deserve that. And, and, you know, we live in an age now, it's like every kid needs a car. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's my right. Well, how many of you know that, that a teenager, they understand the right, but they don't understand that with rights come responsibilities. It's my right to drive a car, but, you know, wait a minute, I don't have to put gas in it. I'm not paying for insurance. Check the oil. What are you talking about? See, there's responsibilities that come with rights. And if we assume all the, or all the rights without understanding that there's responsibilities that come along with it, something is going to happen. Something is going to break down. And when we as a culture or as a people only view, and, and as Christians as well, when we only view things in the context of or through the filter of these are my rights without understanding that with rights come responsibility, we're going to break down. And there's going to be some problems because the problem in, a, in every human culture and the problem in humanity is one that gravitates towards selfishness. Bless you. It's okay. It's all right. I wasn't in front of you, so it was even better. <laughs> Amen. So, I, I, I've heard this before, and, and I've, I've just, I agree with the statement, but I had to look at it a little bit deeper. That rights without responsibility will, will bring us to anarchy. If we elevate rights without accompanying the responsibility that goes with it, anarchy is going to be the result. And, and I'd heard that, and I kind of get it. I see that. But I, I, I never really thought deeply about it, and I haven't thought deeply about it now, but I've, I've thought about it a little bit more. And I, and I was curious, what does that word anarchy mean? Because when I think of anarchy, I think of riots. I think of unrest. I think of those kinds of things. That's what I think of anarchy. And so I did a little Google search on, on what the word anarchy means. And, and uh, the word anarchy, where is where, where, Hold on. I've gone all through. Here we are. Anarchy. The, the term originally meant leaderlessness. Anarchy is leaderlessness. The word anarchy comes from the ancient Greek, which combines not or without and ruler, leader, or authority. So in other words, uh, without leader, without authority, no ruler. Thus, the term refers to a person or society without rulers or without leaders. Anarchy is leaderlessness. There's not a direction. There's not a leader. And in that vacuum where there's not a direction, where there's not an established form of leadership, in that vacuum, who or what becomes the leader? If there's no leaders, what's going to guide us? I am. If I don't recognize or respect or understand a leader in my life, then I am left to my own devices, and that's what humanity is. We, we gravitate towards selfishness. We gravitate, and some of it is self-preservation. Some of it is we gravitate, what's better for me? What's in it for me? What happens, though? Our, our, our Constitution guarantees the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What happens when Pastor Tim's right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness comes against my right for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What happens when that happens? You know, I'm a big fan 
I'm a big fan of no smoking things. I really am. I don't even feel bad when I see people outside of a government building or somewhere else on a corner. <laughs> you know, I, I don't feel bad for them. But that's because I don't smoke. I don't feel bad about that. Kind of like it. I don't know. Sorry. Pretty sure I, I, I'm kind of happy. I don't have to inhale smoke while I'm eating a hamburger in a restaurant and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, you know, but... I heard a person on the radio, and I remember as a kid. How many of you remember as kids burning leaves in the backyard? All right? I remember. I, I kind of like that smell. Anyone else? Does anybody burn leaves in the backyard in town anymore? Why? Well, well he's too big. I wouldn't argue with him. <laughs> Bubba, your leaves smell really good compared to everybody else's leaves. I mean, no, because somewhere along the line, and, and, and I've heard, you know, I mean, people smoking a cigarette in their own house. A neighbor complains. What happens? What happens? What happens when those rights collide with one another? When that happens, the courts have to make a law. The courts have to decide whose right is more important, whose right is valid. And we have laws, 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 laws. And the courts decide. And that's not exactly how things were set up and, and, and were designed to operate but because of selfishness, because I want my way and my right more than your right, more than your way, my way is a better way. Because of that, our nation begins to get pulled apart and anarchy begins to be the result, a leaderlessness. And the leader becomes me, the leader becomes my emotion, my flesh, my feelings. John Adams said this, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. In other words, this is designed for failure without the underpinnings of religion and morals or a common thought, a common understanding, or the filter of the Word of God. So let's go to the Bible for just a second, and let's look at something because I think that if the Bill of Rights were written today, the Bill of Rights would look kind of like this. I have the right to free Wi-Fi. If I was writing the bill, of, that would be, I mean, at high speed all the way. Amen? Others, you know, free education, free health care, free this, free that. That would be the Bill of Rights. Thank God they're not written today. Because we'd miss the important stuff. And we'd be driven by a selfishness. And so in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, this is basic Christianity. Paul wrote this, you have been called to live in freedom. You've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. That's the gravitational pull for followers of Christ. You, you have a new nature. You're born again. The Spirit of God is on the inside of you, but you still have this flesh nature that you have to contend with, and the flesh nature gravitates toward what's best for me, what's in it for me. It's all about me. And so he says, don't use that freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Well, that's contrary. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor Brian. Let's go back to Hillary and Donald for just a second. I like that filter a whole lot better than what you're about to tell me. But notice what he said. Instead, use your freedom. Use your right. Use your privilege to serve one another. The Apostle Paul, many, many places in the New Testament where he said, I have the right, I have the authority 
But even though I have the right and even though I have the authority, I'm not going to exercise. I'm not going to use that right because what I have to say is more needful for you. And what's important for you is more important than what's important for me or needful for me. Paul said, (coughs) he said, you know what? I have a desire to depart. He said, I have a desire to depart this life and to be with Christ. He said, I'm I'm between a rock and a hard place. It'd be better for me if I just went on to heaven. But he said, for me to be here is better for you. He said, I'm going to stay here even though it's difficult and hard. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to live my life, and I'm going to continue to, to serve you. So he goes on, and he says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Paul says something that's very insightful and very important, I think, that if we don't live by this as a people, certainly as Christians, but as a people, if we forget this, the result is going to be what he says in verse 15. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying each other. In this election season, and in our country that is so polarized, 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 there's a lot of biting and devouring, isn't there? There are a lot of people who are trying to prove a point. Based on my filter, I'm right and you're wrong. Red and yellow, black and white, I'm absolutely certain that I'm right. And we're trying to prove our points about why we're right. And you could very well be right. But I've said more than one time, I want to remind you again, our, our, our call as Christians is not to prove a point. It's to make a difference. And what good is it if we've made a point but we've alienated ourselves from the people we're supposed to make a difference in their life? And the thing that was so attractive to the early church was that they loved one another and that they loved others, that they were willing to serve. And it was that example of love and serving that caused the people around them to respond and say, you know what, there's something powerful in this. As I said, one of those two people are going to become the president of the United States. And you've heard the United States and and. As a result, and I've said this before, 50% of this nation is is absolutely horrified that Hillary Clinton could be the next president. And 50% of this nation is is mortified that Donald Trump could possibly become president. 70% of the people think that this country is headed in the wrong direction. I think that a year from now, 80% of the people will say, I didn't vote for them. I have a little bit of a different opinion about a couple of things, and one of them, I, I, you know, I don't think it's going to matter who the next president is. I think that that we're there's storms, there's storm clouds on the horizon, and people are looking for a government and for people. And government at times is promising more than it can deliver, and promising perhaps wrong things. But people are looking for them to be the answer. But the original founders of this nation understood that they weren't the answer that God is. And if roughly 50% of of our country is going to be saddened and disillusioned, and if the you-know-what hits the fan and it becomes extremely difficult, there will be a lot of people that are sad, angry, disillusioned, empty, lost. And they're going to be looking for an answer. They're going to be looking for truth. And at that point, they're not looking for people who are saying, I told you so. Told you this would happen. Told you this was going to be the result. 
If you'd have listened to the point I made, instead they're going to be looking for people who are reaching out in love. They're going to be looking for people that have a humility about them, that have a willingness to embrace them where they're at. And that's what we're called to be, and that's what we're called to do, and that's what we're supposed to be about. So as a pastor, I have this thought on November 9th, I'm still going to be your pastor. I'm still going to be... But half of you are like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, can we vote on that? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Every Sunday, people vote. Every Sunday, people vote. That's for sure. But here's my point. My point simply is I'm tasked with reaching everybody. I'm tasked with bringing God's word and light and life to every single person, red, yellow, black, and white. You're all precious in my sight. And I want... Uh, really and that's the heart of God to this entire world and so rather than us building things that divide rather than us dividing because of an opinion that we have it's why we do joy to the world that's why we encourage us as a church to make a difference all around us and we're going to be talking about this over the next couple of weeks I got three weeks of stuff that I want to share with you right now but I'm already in overtime so would you bow your heads and close your eyes Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we've shared a lot of things, talked about a lot of stuff. But ultimately, Father, we want our light to shine here in central Minnesota. We want to make a difference. We don't want to just prove our point. We don't want to just be right to be right for right's sake. But Father, we want to make a difference. And if we have to stand under, stand back, stand down so that your light can shine, then help us to do that. And Father, where selfishness wants to dominate our feelings, where we want to think about us, help us to allow the love of Christ that is in us to shine big and to shine bright so that wherever we go, we are dispensers of your love and of your grace, that people will find a word in season because of their weariness, that, that we will hear from you, and Father, that we will share and speak those words that we hear. And Father, we ask you, we, your people, humble ourselves today. We ask you to bring healing to this land. We ask you to use us, help us to be those healing agents of choice and change all around us. Father, that you would empower and anoint us. Father, I pray this day that you would help us as a nation, that you would help each and every one of us see through the fog, hear through all of the contention, your voice. And that, Father, where people might be tempted to say, you know what, I don't even care. I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to exercise that right. That you would speak to their heart. That you'd motivate and move us. And that, Father, where this nation would continue to be the nation that brings missions and light and life to the entire world. We thank you for those things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. You are all free to pick up your filter. If you made a decision today to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we would love to hear about it. Please email us or contact us through our website, greatjoy.org.